Well, we're in the middle of a city series, or we're starting a, a series called uh, Hope Arising. Today we're going to talk about the, the presence and the power uh, of the Spirit of God in our lives. And it's interesting for me, uh, I, I love every time around this time of year, we're, we're about a month off from some of the big blockbuster movies coming out. Uh, the new Mission Impossible is going to come out. In the fall, there's going to be a, a new uh, James Bond movie. And I've always loved those kind of action adventure. When I was a kid, my dad and I used to watch the, the Bond movies together. Uh, I used to love the show. Uh, there was a show called Get Smart, um, and I used to love watching that. I, I, the, I don't know what it is, but I love the kind of good guy catching the bad guy kind of stuff. And one of the things I always loved about those movies and shows and, and things was the unique uh, gadgets and, and innovations that they had uh, to catch the bad guy. And it's interesting to see where it was to where it's come, uh, all the way back to a shoe phone uh, to now, you know, they've got like uh, uh, sharks with nuclear bombs in the trunk of their car. And I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff that goes on now. And so all the innovations, the, whether it be the jetpacks or the gadgets or the lasers or or whatever it is, everything communicated a simple idea. And that was those that were in authority had in essence said to their agents, we have spared no expense so that the mission can be accomplished. And as we jump into this series, what we're going to see is this unique way in which God has uniquely called us into a mission with him. And as we continue to talk about this idea of hope arising in this world, that we're going to see that, that God indeed has a mission. He has a mission for us, and it's no ordinary mission at all. In fact, it's a, it's a rather extraordinary mission. It's a mission to save the world. And in this extraordinary mission uses ordinary people like me and like you. You and I are going to discover once again today that we have been called into this amazing plan of God to bring salvation to the world. And, and in the same way, what we're going to see is the unique way in which God, in essence, communicates to us. I have spared no expense to give you everything you need to make sure that the mission is accomplished You know, we come right out of uh, this Easter celebration and we see that and we sense that. We saw on Good Friday the way that the love of God was on display in such a powerful way that God, in essence, really demonstrated to us that, that, that he would spare no expense sending his own son and Jesus would willingly lay down his life. Uh, in sacrifice. No one took his life, he, as he shared, uh, but he gives his life away. And we see not only his love on display, but we see his power on display. Not only does he lay his life down, but God raises him up. Of all the things in this world, of which you and I seem to, to know we have no power over, death. I mean, we can slow death down, we can try but we, have, we, we recognize, we, we are willingly uh, admitting that we have no power over death. But the, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead reminds us that God has put his, his power on display. That he has power over all things. And now is what we're going to see is this unique way in which God now uh, gives us, in, in essence, that same power so that we can live out his mission. So I, what I want to do is I want to give you a big idea that will frame where we're going. It's our sermon, in essence, in a sentence. And you can write this down. Uh, but you, as you'll, you're going to see, it's going to unpack two very important ideas about the Christian life. And so the big idea of what we're talking about today is, is this, that the presence of the Holy Spirit empowers us 
for God's mission. And we're going to look at the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives and how the, the, the presence of God's Spirit in our life empowers us to live the life that God has and to be a part of the mission that he has for us. So this is a looking at what it means to be filled by God's Spirit. And we'll, we'll kind of barely scratch the surface a little bit on that, uh, but we'll see more in the coming weeks. But uh, also to be able to think through the mission of God to bring salvation to the world. Now, in these next weeks, we're going to be going through a book in the Bible called the Book of Acts. And the Book of Acts is, in essence, kind of volume two to Jesus's life. So the author of Acts is is Luke. And Luke wrote uh, the gospel according to Luke. He wrote uh, the story of Jesus' life, all he began to teach and do. And the Book of Acts is how Jesus continues to teach and to do and to work. And in such a unique way. And so the book of Acts is, is fascinating because number one, it's a story of, about the church. It's a story about how the church began. And, and we're seeing that kind of the, the early parts of this. And, and, uh, but we also will see how Jesus is intimately involved. He is still the principal actor. He's still the principal one in which the story is about and the one who's, who's doing the work. But here's the fascinating thing as you read the book of Acts. What you begin to realize is more and more as you dig in deep into the book of Acts is, I'm a part of this story. This is is a part of, I'm I'm a part of this story. In fact, as you get to the book of Acts, it ends rather abruptly at Acts 28. And you're almost kind of wondering, you're, you're kind of biting your nails wondering what happens in Acts 29. Well, we are Acts 29, and we are the ones who are continuing to live out that whole mission that we're going to see as it, as it plays itself out. Now, there's two ways in which we can uh, approach this, this study. You can approach this, these next weeks in the book of Acts uh, as a scholar or as a soldier. As a scholar, you'll look at everything and, and look at history purely for the sense of information and facts and trying to understand what happened. But as a soldier, you'll look past information and you'll look at this for the sense of mission. Trying to understand how these things relate to your life and what God is calling you to do. And so I want to invite you to join me as we begin uh, reading through the book of Acts together. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, the first 11 verses today. And this is... We're going to see the, the, the continuing work of Jesus in the life of his followers and the beginning of his church. And so Acts 1, page 1090 in the Bibles in front of you. And we're going to read the first 11 verses. Um, and so let's read up to verse 5. We'll stop there for a moment and we'll, we'll make an observation we'll, and then we'll continue on. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with the holy spirit now keep your finger there and let's let's look at uh, a first point and we'll continue on but the first thing i want you to see is that the holy spirit is with us 
The Holy Spirit is with us. And in fact, as you're looking through in, in this whole passage, and as we go through the book of Acts, you're going to see very uniquely the role of the Holy Spirit in the role of the church. Uh, Jesus, at the very end of his life, had, had promised the Holy Spirit. In fact, Luke, in, in his first volume, The Gospel of Jesus, he ends Luke 24 and verse 49, speaking about this, inviting them to, to, to know this. He promises in the Spirit. Luke 24, 49, uh, he says this, I'm going to send you what my Father promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And so we see this kind of overlapping now as he begins the book of Acts. He's reminding us as the audience uh, that this is what Jesus promised. Now, trying to do the mission of God without the, the power uh, uh, of the Holy Spirit would be like uh, Superman trying to, to fight off his enemies with a giant block of kryptonite on his back. As much as his intentions are good, he would have no power or ability to do it. And so as we begin to look at this, what we we see is that Luke, from the very beginning of the book of Acts, begins to help us see that what you're going to see is that the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is key to what God did in the life of Jesus. And now we can expect it in our lives today as we join him in his mission. Now, this is not the the first time the Holy Spirit appears in Scripture. We see at the very beginning of creation that the Spirit is present. The Old Testament, we see the unique ways in which the Holy Spirit continues to interact. In fact, many of the prophets spoke about this time. And they would talk about this time, this day that would come in which God would pour out His Spirit. Jesus, even, we see in His life, Luke If you were just to read through the first four chapters of the book of Luke, you'd see multiple times in which uh, uniquely the Spirit of God is is with Jesus at his baptism or in the wilderness or as he, he comes to teach in the synagogue. And so Luke has been emphasizing that the same Spirit who rested upon Jesus in his ministry will now empower his followers for the mission that he has. The same Jesus that taught them during his earthly life will continue to teach them through the Spirit, through the presence of the Spirit. Now up until this time, they had experienced the Spirit through the presence of Jesus, but now they will experience uh, Jesus through the presence of the Spirit in their life. And, and through all this, through this presence, all of a sudden what you have is uh, Jesus is available as, as the Holy Spirit is about to come. And what we're about to see is that Jesus will now be available in, in, in unlimited places and unlimited times. Uh, think about this way. There was this moment in the resurrection where Jesus appears and Mary grabs a hold of him. And she's holding on his feet. She's worshiping. And he, he, uh, it says to let, let me go. Now, uh, up until this, to this week as I was studying, I, I'd always kind of wondered, like, you know, are, are her fingers going to, like, melt off? Or what, what's going on there? Why, why can't she touch him? But we, we know that later Jesus says, no, really, touch me and see. So it's not about whether or not you are allowed to touch him. What he's trying to say in that moment is, Mary, don't hold on to me there. Don't, you don't want to hold me in one place. You want me to go. You want, you want what God has next to come. It's going to be so much better for you. And so he's inviting this. In fact, what we, we see is that Jesus began to speak in this unique way. Maybe as you uh, think about the Holy Spirit, maybe you grew up and, and thought of it as somewhat creepy. You, you learned about the Holy Ghost, right? And he kind of like, I don't know, does he hide like in the church attic or what? what, what? It just sounded creepy to you. 
But see in verse 4, this is the gift of the Father. Jesus said in John 16, he said, he called the Spirit the counselor or the helper. He says, I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I am going away. Because unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And Jesus is telling his followers, wait for the gift my father will send you. And and you will be able to dream the undreamable. You will be able to, to do the impossible. You will be able to love the unlovable. And all through his ministry, as he came to the end, he really began to really focus on, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send to you someone who will be, it'll be better for you, someone who will lead you and guide you, that, that we see that the Holy Spirit counsels us and comforts us and convicts us of sin. And what we're going to see today is empowers us, strengthens us for the, the work and the, the ministry that God has. And so it's a very good thing that the Spirit of God comes. In fact, he comes to us, in power. In fact, this word power is the word dynamos, which we get the word dynamite from. That there's this explosive power that comes into our life as God's spirit comes into our life. And so what we're about to see is that the presence and power of God comes into our lives for the purposes of God through the Holy Spirit. So he says, I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So how does this happen? How do, how do our lives get filled by the Holy Spirit? What is he saying here? How does this happen in our lives? Now, one of the things that's very important is we're going to read through the book of Acts uh, as part of studying scripture and learning and growing as a, a disciple of Jesus. Is you, you have to learn to be able to, to uh, figure out at moments there's going to be descriptions and at other times in scripture there's going to be prescriptions. Uh, so there's going to be moments where things happen and you're going to say, why did it happen like that? In fact, in the books, book of Acts, we're going to see this multiple times, unique ways in which God works in a certain time, in a certain place. But if we pull back and look at the whole of Scripture, we understand a, a bigger picture. Other times, we see prescriptions. You need to do it this way. This is the, the way that we do it. And so it's important to hold those things together as you look at this. And this is going to be a unique filling of their lives. He's waiting for the moment, this Feast of Pentecost, when everyone comes. And we'll see this in a couple weeks. But the way that we receive the Holy Spirit, as Scripture teaches us, is through repentance and faith. Through repentance and faith. So as we repent, as we turn from our old life, a life of sin, a life of selfishness, a life, a life that in which we lead ourselves, and we surrender to Jesus as our Savior, as our Lord, two things happen in your life. Number one, that, that God washes your sin away. But second, he fills your life with his spirit. There is the forgiveness of sin and there's the indwelling of the spirit. And oftentimes we don't talk about that second part. We only kind of think about our sins being forgiven and someday later we'll get to be with God. But when sinners repent and believe, Jesus not only takes away their sins, but he baptizes them in the spirit. He fills you with the spirit. He immerses you in his life. This word baptize uh, means to immerse, to, to uh, maybe you, you could think back a couple weeks ago, if you were here, we baptized 19 people 
And uh, Tiffany was baptized in, in this 945 service. And it was just an amazing uh, a story and life and testimony. But you see the way that every person who gets baptized, the way we do it is, I mean, they go all the way under the water. In fact, sometimes we kind of joke with folks like, hey, we're going to hold you under as long as we think it's going to take to cleanse you of your sin. And, and uh, right, right. So we kind of take them down a little deeper and we kind of shake them down there. Uh, and, and one guy I took down so deep, I realized like I couldn't get down and get him up. So I had to grab him and r- I ripped his shirt, kind of pulling him up. Uh, and we kind of laugh about this, but there's, you're being immersed in this whole new life. This whole life is, is coming over you. And so the Spirit not only washes you, but immerses you, fills you, empowers you to be formed like Christ. And the Spirit leads us. And, and it's such a fascinating thing that from this point on in conversion, as you come to this new life of the Spirit of God in you, that the Spirit of God is leading you. In fact, I, I love the passage in Galatians 5 that teaches us that as you're allowing the Spirit of God to lead your life, more and more, what you're discovering is the unique way in which your life, what's growing in your life is, is the sense of peace and love, joy and patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. All these things that we'll read books on or talk to friends or go to counselor, all these things that we want to grow in our lives. And we discover if we can learn to let this spirit who now indwells us lead us, whether it is a, a thunderous voice or a gentle whisper as the, as the spirit of God leads our life, the spirit is going to work to help you day by day become more and more like Christ. And so we're learning to listen to the spirit of God's leading. But we're also learning uh, to be empowered that the spirit as he comes into our lives has now given us this power, this ability to do things that God is inviting us to do. And so there's hope. See, the, the, there's hope arising as a spirit, as we begin to discover the unique way in which the, the Holy Spirit is with us, because our hope isn't a future hope. Our hope isn't just that someday we will experience the presence of God. No, our, our hope is not just a future reality. It's a present reality. Certainly, the, the future reality, we will see and experience God in all his fullness. That is to come, and we'll see it even in this passage. But, but our hope is not just future. We get to be with God. This is why Jesus is so excited. You, I will be with you. That moment you put your faith in me, I will be with you. I will fill your life, and, and it, it is now and forever. I will be with you. And so our hope we see comes as the Holy Spirit is with us. But let's look at the next verse, verse 6. Because there's, there's application in this for us. They said, they gathered around him and they asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so the second thing we see is that the Father has a mission for us. Notice what he said. They, I don't know if you, as you read verse 6, maybe you even got that kind of irritated parent feeling in you. It's kind of like uh, what you hear in the backseat of the car. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? You know, ah, I'm going to turn around and... Turn this car around. Okay, Jesus is like, I'm going to turn this thing around. He doesn't do that. He just says, no, look, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know the time. And, and there's a sense of that they're saying to him, look, we thought the time had come. Remember, we, we, we dropped the palm branches. We were waving. We were, we were praising. We thought that was the time we were wrong. But now, certainly, this is the time, right? And notice that Jesus is saying, look, it's not for you to know the time 
what a place, and exactly how the Father has laid it all out. But here's what you do need to know. You have a job to do. And, what, and the, the way you're going to be able to do this job is to allow the Spirit to empower you, and then I'm going to use you as my witnesses in all the earth. Here's what you need to know. You will be filled by the Spirit, and you will be sent as my witnesses. We are a sent people. Why? Because God is ascending God. See, the Father sent the Son into the world, and the Father and the Son then send the Spirit into the world. And the Father, Son, and Spirit now send the church into the world. And so it's important that you recognize yourself as a sent person because God is ascending God. That's, in essence, uh, his nature. And, and the role that we play, uh, when a king came into, a new king came into power, he would appoint heralds or witnesses who would go and proclaim the good news of this new king and his kingdom. And so Jesus is pulling in this and saying, look, you will now go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, and you will proclaim this good news that the king has come, that his kingdom is here, and that you can be a part of it. And this is our role. And to whom do we go? We see Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And as we think about this for our own lives and our own calling and our own sending, we see he begins in, in your own place. He says he, they be, were to begin in that very place they were, the, at Jerusalem. And for us, we might look at this as our, what we call our 8 to 15. Uh, and so we call this, this concept, the 8 to 15, is this little relational world in which you live in. The people you work with, uh, your neighbors, uh, people you play on a softball team with, or, or whatever it is. Uh, but you realize there are people you do life with. Uh, you don't have to go anywhere to be with them. Your life already encompasses them. And so we ask you to always be thinking about the unique way in which God is sending you into their lives uh, to be a blessing, whether you're to pray for them or serve them or, or share or witness or whatever it is, but to recognize the unique, supernatural, uh, strategic way God has placed you at this time in their lives. And notice as, uh, what he begins to talk about. It's almost like what he does in this moment is he lays out the book of Acts. It's almost like this verse is a table of contents. In fact, we'd love for you to memorize verse 8. Our kids are going to be learning it. But verse 8 is like a table of contents for the book of Acts. It will lay out exactly like this, that, that the ministry begins in Jerusalem, and then it kind of goes out into Judea and then to Samaria, which was like this hated region, and then to the ends of the earth. And we see this unique way in which we are called in this unique place, our own little relational worlds. But even as uniquely Beach Point is being sent into the surrounding areas, we've planted a new church in Huntington Beach. We're dreaming up more. We're praying, Lord, if you would want to, we'd, we would, we'd be willing to plant a church in, in Garden Grove or Westminster or Santa Ana or, or wherever you want us to, to do it. We're just simply, it, it, you lead, we'll follow. And even to the ends of the earth, I would encourage you, if you haven't had a chance, to go look at the display in the lobby. Uh, the Ita people, uh, earlier in the year, we did, a, we did a mission project. We raised about $10,000 to help translate scripture. Here's this small little group of people in this tiny little region, in this little mountain village that really no one even knows about them. But we're, we're part of a team that's translating scriptures into their own heart language. They're, they're coming into relationship. You see the picture of the woman who is a translator. Read her story about how she's come to faith and she's getting baptized. I mean, how exciting it is that God is using us to literally go to the ends of the earth. We have a small church plant that we're helping start in, in Niger in a very hostile area. 
Uh, and as you watch the news and you see all the, the unrest in northern Africa and the Middle East, I mean, we have a church that's starting right in the midst of all this stuff. Uh, we're, we're praying even in this last week. We're pr- we've been praying for it among our uh, people, our staff and others, uh, for the, the protection of them in the midst of this. Years ago when we started, there was like maybe one uh, uh, or two believers. Now there's a hundred people who are now believers. There's a small church. Uh, literally, they, they're, they're being threatened uh, because of their faith in Christ and they find it joy to, to be persecuted for the name of Jesus. Literally, this, this forsaken, forgotten place in the world where the gospel had never gone to, we've gotten to be a part of a team that's now bringing the gospel to literally the ends of the earth. This is exciting. This is what happens when the Spirit, in essence, comes and, and leads uh, uh, us to be his witnesses all over the world. And so you need to be thinking about how the unique way in which the God Spirit is sending you back into the world to, to be his witness. As you think about uh, every story of the 19 who were baptized a couple weeks ago, every story was connected back to relationships of family and friends, of teammates. I mean, it was fascinating. Tiffany's story uh, was, was an exciting story here of, of all the unique roles that people played in her life to get her to that point in which she was baptized. Uh, uh, every single story had some unique way in which it was family or friends or others who just had come around these people. And that's what constantly happens. It is us being sent back into the world. It's, it, don't put it all on me because I can't do it, Okay. Embrace the unique way in which God's Spirit is going to empower you to be part of this mission. And see, God's going to send us, and he's going to send us into places that we would never think we would go. But because he's sending us, this is the most fascinating thing. When God sends you, when the Spirit leads you and sends you back into the world, what's most exciting is you will discover every time is that God is already at work in that place. You will not get there and God will go, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. That's awesome. Let me see if I can catch up with you. Instead, what you're going to find is you get there and God's going to say, I've been working. And now you're a key piece to what we do next in the life of this person. And so embrace this. This is an exciting part. It's as if you're Ethan Hunt and you're given this special mission and and you just have to play your role. Now you cannot change anyone's heart and you cannot change anyone's life. Only God can do that. But you can play your unique role in that person's life. We are sent, and we're sent to surprising places sometimes. There was one church that that felt a calling. They were a small kind of gathering, a group. They were meeting, actually. They didn't even have a location. They were meeting. They'd meet together in in a coffee house. And as they met together, they started to feel this sense of calling that God, in essence, was sending them out. And as they were uh, being sent out, they felt called to this other uh, coffee house, this place in which kind of, by their own description, they would say it this way. It was a very dark place. It was a place where uh, those who were involved in witchcraft and Satanism and literally people who thought they were vampires, uh, who shaved their teeth and slept in coffins and only came out at night, uh, that's where they all hung out. It was just this very dark place. So two uh, of the people of this little, little Christian community, they said, look, those guys are never going to come to us. So we got to go to them. And so two of them decided they'd start going there and building relationships and see what God would do. They felt called and prompted by the Spirit to go. And so one guy, Tim, talks about this moment in which as he came, he, he was meeting with this guy, Manuel. And he was sitting at a table and they opened up scripture to Romans 6.23. And they were going to read it together. The wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And they began to read this together. And he says, as we, they, we began to read this and, and think about this together, he said, one of the, the recruiters of the satanic church came and sat right next to us. And, and I was, I was, he says, I was scared. And so I just prayed, God, help. Will you just allow him to be silent and listen? And he said, it was like God just heard that prayer and, and the guy didn't say a word. And he said, then this other guy came. And this other guy was kind of this obnoxious guy. He was this atheist, philosopher. He just kind of always was spouting off about all kinds of crazy ideas and things. And then he came and sat next to us. He says, so I prayed again. God, would you just help him be, be silent and listen? And then he says, this third guy came up. A guy who was known in the place as Psycho Saul. And Psycho Saul was part of the vampire group. And he comes up right behind Tim and he kind of whispers to him and he says, I just want you to know I have my sword with me. And Tim says, points to his Bible. He says, well, I have my sword with me as well. And he goes, no, really, I have my sword with me. And he opens up his jacket and he has this double-edged sword right there. And so Tim said, he said, I prayed a third time quietly. Lord, would you help Psycho Saul be quiet and listen and not cut my head off. (laughs) And he said, they continue to look at scripture and just prayerfully talk about Romans six. And he said, it was the strangest thing because this guy got up and left and this guy got up and left. And even psycho Saul got up and left and he and Manuel finally got a chance to finish their conversation. He said, in that very place, that very dark place, Manuel gave his life to Christ. He said a week later, he was baptized. Two weeks later, Manuel had led another person in the place to Christ and he was helping baptize. He said, before long, we had this small little community gathered in this forsaken, forgotten place of darkness. But, but see, when the spirit of God leads us, the spirit empowers us to do, nothing can, 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 can keep us from from accomplishing the mission in which God has called us to. His mission will be accomplished. And so as we begin to to walk through this, we see this unique way in which we walk through this. And so we want to look through, I want you to think through uh, this this same idea as we talk through. uh, uh, You have on in your hand a a green card. You should have an 8 to 15 card, right? So I want you to pull out your, your 8 to 15 card. And as you look at this, I want to encourage you who are the 8 to 15 people that the Holy Spirit is empowering you to make an impact on? Family, friends, others. I want you to think about who those are. And every quarter or so, we give you a new card because life changes and, and people change and, and work associates and neighbors and teammates. Uh, but prayerfully, ask the Lord, who are the people you've placed in my life right now? Who, by, the, by the, your Spirit, are you leading me into to be a blessing to? Well, let's notice the very last piece As we come to a close, verses 9 to 11. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, and suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. And so one final thing we want to see from this is that Jesus is coming for us. Jesus is coming back for us. And just as he left, so he will return. And every day, we are one day closer to his return. But notice what the angel says to us. 
the angel says to them, and in essence says to us, you can't stand around staring in the sky. You have a job to do. He's given you a calling. He's, emp- he's going to empower you with his spirit. Go do the job he's called you to. You can't stand around staring in the sky. He's coming back, so let him, when he comes back, find you faithful. And so this anticipation of his return should lead to something. It should lead to allowing the Holy Spirit to to bring this transformation in our life. It should lead to a, a renewed sense of mission that Jesus is coming. And I want to make sure not only am I ready, but everyone that God has placed in my life, that they have a chance to, to believe and to accept and, and, and to receive uh, the life that he has. This anticipation should lead to preparation. And so we want to remember what it was that Jesus did. And we want to take a moment to do something uh, as part of our worship to anticipate his return. Jesus, on the last night of his life, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this bread is broken for you. Uh, take and eat and, and remember me. Remember that is my body that's been broken for you. And so they took the bread and they broke it and they ate it. And it was a, a, a chance for them to remember the body of Christ which had been broken for them. And then after that, he took a cup and he passed it. And he said, this cup represents my blood, this new covenant, this new agreement between God and man. It's for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink. And they took the cup and they, they drank and they remembered. And, and all through the early church, they would gather together. They would take bread and break it. And they'd take the cup and pass it. And they would remember what Jesus had done for them. But right in the very beginning, right in the very beginning, there's this wonderful uh, instruction that was given to them. The Apostle Paul wrote to, to the church at the very beginning. He says, whenever you gather together to eat this bread, to drink this cup, You proclaim his death, notice to what? Until he comes. And so when we gather together, when we take the bread and the cup and we meet together, it's a chance for us to remember all that Jesus has done. You have been given everything to live this life and to live out his mission. He would hold nothing back, even his own life. And so we remember and we worship. It's a chance for us to renew faith or come to faith. But notice as well, it's a chance for us to anticipate. It's a chance for us to to remind ourselves that I I remember not only what Jesus did, but I remember what he's going to do. He is coming again. And my heart gets filled with anticipation. That anticipation leads to preparation and to mission and to the life that he has for me. And so in just a moment, our ushers will come and they're going to pass you a plate. What I'm going to ask you to do is make sure as you grab the cup... There's two cups. They're, they're, it's double cupped. Grab both cups. And in one is the bread and in one is, is the juice. And as you take those, take time to remember what Jesus has done for you. And as you're ready, eat and drink. Uh, remember what he did for you when you're ready. Eat and drink. Uh, but as you do that, and, and this is an invitation for anyone who, would, who wants to be a, a person of faith or is a person of faith, uh, you don't have to be a member of Beach Point. All of you are invited to this. If you have not, if you're, if you're on the outside looking in, what you have to hear again is Jesus' words. I want you to come into faith. I want you to trust me. I want you to believe because not only will I wash your sins away, I will fill your life with my spirit, my presence. And we will do life together now 
and forever. That is the invitation he gives to each and every one of you. And so if that is, is the confession of your heart today, we invite you as an act of faith, take the bread, take the cup, remember what Jesus did, tell him thank you. Remind him that you are going to, that your life is his and it's in his hands that you want to be led by him and but led by his spirit. And use this time to reflect and to worship and, and, uh, and then we'll end the service with, with songs uh, to continue. So let me pray for us. So Lord, we come to this uh, moment of worship, the bread and the cup, which remind us of what you did for us. And we ask, Lord, that you would bless this time that we, are, we would be so mindful of your sacrifice for us that our hearts would be transformed by it, but also that our hearts would be filled with anticipation of your coming. Lord, that in some unique way, we would be renewed for the mission that you have for us, that we would be reminded that you have done everything to draw us to yourself, and now you're calling us to be witnesses of of announcers, of heralds, of, of good news, of hope that is arising in this world. And so may we renew our commitment to your mission again today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're ready, eat and drink.